Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in uh, the first book of the Bible today. It's the book of Genesis at chapter 4. So it'll just be a few pages into a paper Bible. You can use your smartphone if you want to look it up that way. And uh, to kind of an introductory thought, I have a confession. Uh, this will just be the third time that I've confessed this to anyone. And, but it's, you know, I just like to confess to hundreds of people at the same time. So don't get too nervous, although you could get a little nervous. Here's my confession. I ate pizza out of the trash. <laughs> and I'm somewhat embarrassed to share you that. Because I just saw some of your face go. I ate pizza out of the trash. You want to hear the story? You probably should. It's about 10 days ago. Some of you don't want to hear it. It was about 10 days ago. Uh, my wife and I every, were fairly consistently trying to figure out ways to, you know, eat healthy and not eat as much. And it's that whole, you know, try not to become a giant. Anyway. So uh, we had been doing some, uh, I don't know, diet things for, for a week or so. We, and we went to a friend's house, and they had pizza there, and they sent some pizza home with us to share with our family, but then our daughter wasn't there. To, anyway, so we ended up with these three pieces of pizza in the evening, at the end of the day. And my wife had this idea. I was going to say brilliant idea, but I'm not sure it was. She had this idea, and she looked at me, because she looked at the pizza, which is something we were trying not to eat, and she said, we should just throw this away. I, that's what I was thinking inside, like, really? You really think we should throw But I really, I thought, yeah, that's a good idea, because otherwise, I'll be eating that pizza. And those of you that have not heard this other confession, I'm a night eater. I get up in the, I often get up in the middle of the night and I'm, you know, like, oh, what are we going to do? I just wander into the kitchen and, and eat things. So anyway, pizza is in the garbage and I got up at night. My wife had gone to sleep and of course I'm like, oh, what are we going to, what am I going to do? Oh, <laughs> pizza in the trash. In fact, I ate a lot of pizza that night. If you get into the next morning, I remember waking up the next morning thinking, why do I feel so bloated? <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, I ate the trash pizza last night. <laughs> didn't feel all that good about it. I actually didn't feel good about it too because I had agreed with my wife that we would throw it in the trash and, uh, uh, and I never told her that anyway. So I'm a trash eater. All right, I use that uh, story to introduce a question for us all to consider. It'll come up on the screen. Here's the question. What is my, or what is your best advice for a sad, trash-eating sinner? What's, a, what's your best, and because here's the reality of even that scenario. There are times when you'll be in contact with people, and because of their sin or lack of self-control or whatever, they'll actually be sad because the situation's bad. What's your best advice to someone who says, let's get even more serious than eating 
pizza out of the trash with some of you are like, that's really serious. But what about if I come to you and, and say, uh, hey, I am uh, lusting more and more, watching porn, and I can't stop, and it's stealing my life. What's your best advice for that person? Do you, do you have something? Or this one. I started an inappropriate relationship. I'm now in an affair with someone. I'm married. I'm in an affair, and it is turning into a giant mess. What's your best advice for that person? Or my drinking's getting out of hand. I'm starting to drink too much. It's starting to affect my job. What's your best advice? By, these are real scenarios, right? This is life. What's your best advice for that person? Let's shift it a little bit. What if that person is you? What is it that you need? To, what would benefit us when we're in those situations where sin has become a problem and it's making us sad or it's making life difficulty? And like, what, do we, what should we need to hear? Let me give you a few thoughts. Three thoughts came to mind when I was thinking about this. First thought is... This, it'll come up on the screen. No big deal is a horrible piece of advice. Never in the Bible is it affirmed that we should ever look at someone who is innocent or caught in sin and just kind of wink it off like, ah, it's no big deal. Because sin is a big deal. It causes all kinds of mess. The, the no big deal is a horrible piece of advice. Bible verse. Romans 6, 1 says... What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. So no big deal is a horrible answer. Second thought, run to Jesus is a good start. If you've got nothing else, at least we should say you should run to the Savior. You should run to God. Here's, here's a verse. Romans 7.24, Paul, the writer here, is making a confession of his own, that he's got his own struggles with sin. He says things like, why do I do the things that I do? What I hate, I do. He says at one point, the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Right? He's distraught in his mind. Why am I doing this? And then he's at the end of this kind of a mental dialogue that he puts out on paper. He says, who will rescue me from this body subject to death? And then he gives the answer, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So run to Jesus. That's a good start. But the, the final thought in this introduction is, we'll put it up on the screen, wouldn't it be great to have more? Wouldn't it be great to not just say to someone when they're in the middle of their sadness or, you know, mess, and they go, what do I do? It, wouldn't it be great to not just say, run to Jesus, which is a good answer, but wouldn't it be great to have a little more depth than just, well, I don't know, run to Jesus, because they may look at us and say, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Good luck. Hope that goes well. By the way, and that, I'm not demeaning the run to Jesus part, but it'd be good to have more, or for us to have Ideas that bring traction so that our life might not just stay in the mess. Or, or, does that make sense? Wouldn't it be great to have something that pulled people out of those 
messy, sad, sinful things. So hold that thought. We're in a series called Hope. And today we're going to explore a, uh, some advice that God gave a man who is in a sad, sinful situation. So it's in Genesis 4, and here's the background. This is really early in human history. God has created all things. Part of creation is mankind. He's created Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve are starting their human family, the human line of folks. And at this point, they have two boys in the story. There'll be Cain, their boy, and Abel. And Cain is about to sin and get caught and be sad. Picking it up in verse 1. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel, just picture how this family thing is working out. Now, Abel kept flocks, so he's some type of a shepherd. And Cain worked the soil, so he's a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So, pause. So even early on in history, very early on in history, people understood that God was the source, and he would enable us to either work, make work, and, and, and that it was appropriate and honorable to take part of what God had given us, and they would bring it back to the Lord as like a thankfulness, like, God, thank you so much for this. And so they would give him an offering. We still do, many of us do, and if you don't do that, you really should consider doing that uh, because God's the one who provides for us. So and in this case, these two offerings are made, and apparently Cain's offering is subpar. Now, we don't know why. Maybe he did it in a lazy fashion. Maybe he didn't give the good parts of the soybeans or whatever it was. Like, they gave him God, well, let's give him the junk part. Or, or it was, maybe it was like, well, I'll give him this. There was something in there that God, who knows who he is, he's like, that's not, a, that's not an offering. That's not a sacrifice. And so that's what's happening here And uh, let's go on in verse 5. It says, so Cain, after God says, this is not right. It's sin. Side note, anything less than righteousness, perfect, is sinful. Oh, I got a little tangent. Uh, go, no, it's, it's just, don't say, don't encourage me. Just a little quick thing. For those of you, if you want to do a word study on the word sin, in the, in the New Testament language, I think it's called, I think it's hamartia is the original language, and it basically means missing the mark. So if you had a bullseye here, you know, with this concentric, is that the right word? Concentric circles? And you go to the center, the bullseye is in the middle. Sin is anything less than hitting the bullseye. So 
It doesn't matter if you're like a little bit off or you hit the wall over there. It was all failure to hit the center, all right? So in this context, like the grain offering, whatever he did there was like, that's not in the center. That's off to the side somewhere. So Cain was very angry because God says this is sin. So Cain was very angry. His face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast. That is also translated in some uh, translations. Why do you look so dejected? Why is your face gloomy? He's a sad sinner. Verse 7, and this is where we'll spend most of the teaching time. This was God's advice. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Let's just repeat that verse. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So today, with the rest of our time, what I want to do is explore this advice that God gave to Cain. And of course, the application is for us, this would be good for advice for us in the midst of our struggle with sin, and it could help us be valuable friends to people around us, so we might be able to tell them something that'll be helpful. All right, so let me pray, and I'll give you these things. Plant these things in us, or remind us of these principles, I pray God, so that we can be helpful to others, and it could help, it would, it absolutely will help us the next time we're sad sinners. In Jesus' name, amen. Two things. First idea, if you're on site, you can write this down. If you're at home, I would encourage you to take some notes. God's advice for a sinful situation dwelled on personal responsibility. Fill in the blank there. Personal responsibility. And what I will highlight in the text, what I see there is the amount of times God said to Cain, you. He said, you. He says, why is your face downcast? He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin, sin's crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. It's a very clear conversation. It's not like God is wandering around in his dialogue like, well, I wonder who's at the center of this mess. By the way, it's interesting to me that at this point in human history, there's only four individuals in the record. It wouldn't be hard to figure out who's at the center of the mess. And so poor Cain, in some ways, poor Cain, it's not like there's a whole bunch of people to blame. There's just mom, dad, brother, and him. And none of the other ones are farmers. Like if you have a grain offering, like who, who brought the bad grain offering? It's not like Cain can go, I don't know, it's a bunch of, a mass of humanity, it uh, could have been any farmer. It's like, so, like that's, it's you. You can write this down. Cain's awkward situation couldn't be blamed on someone else.
And God, this is my assumption, God is trying to help Cain own his own mess. Story. This was years ago. I heard a pastor tell this story, and it actually helped me think through, what do I do when I meet someone who's in a mess and is asking for help? He shared the story of a man, came to him as a pastor, wanted some advice. The man came in and, and just confessed. He said, my life's a mess. My, my finances are horrible. My business life is a mess, and my marriage is failing. And of course, it was a longer conversation than that. But this pastor shared that he felt led by God. And in the moment, at the end of it, because this guy was kind of like going, I, I just, I'm just, I'm in sad. I'm in this mess. And the pastor looked at him and with some clarity and directness said, this is on you. Dude. I don't know if he said dude. But he went, this is you. This, it's your business, right? He was a small business owner. He said, this, right, who's in charge? This is you. And by the way, who's the husband in the... That's you. You're the husband. That's your marriage. You're the head of the household in this... You know, like, what are you... And he just basically pushed it into his lap and said, this is you. But by the way, as the story goes on, that was a turning point in this guy's life. You know, we live in a world where a lot of times people, we don't own our own stuff and people generally aren't strong enough or wise enough to push it into our lap when sometimes it's just us. It should be pushed in our lap because we're the primary player in the midst of the mess. If you want to read a sad, if you want to read the rest of the story in Genesis 4, the sad, the, the, tori, the story turns even more sad because Cain doesn't accept his own responsibility for his mess and he starts blaming his, somehow he twists it so he blames his brother's good offering. That's why he's going through his struggle. And I think we can all agree, I hope we can, when we start to blame other people that we do not get any traction in our own life in cleaning up our own mess. Blame is, I think I have, a, I think this, it'll come up on the screen anyway. This is the truth. Excuses don't help us get traction. Now, in case you don't embrace that, you should. Excuses, blaming others, don't pull us out of any situation. Well, I'm struggling with, I'm struggling with sin, but my, you know, my, yeah, my dad was an alcoholic. Well, that may be true. Your father may have been an alcoholic, but that doesn't help you get out of where you're at if you place your, your blame on that. No? Because he's still an alcoholic, or now he's passed away. You can't go back and fix that stuff. And so it doesn't, we're talking about what helps us. Some of you didn't like that. What about this? Man, I'm so angry. It's messing up my life. It's ruining my family. We don't even have good community. I'm just angry all the time. And it's my boss, it's because my boss is such a jerk. May be true, your boss might be a jerk, but he's probably going to be a jerk again next day. What about you? You're the one getting angry in the household. It's your response to you didn't like that either. I'm look, I'm looking at porn, but the real I look at porn. If we didn't have all this high speed internet, I wouldn't have this problem. 
Internet's not going away. This blame thing is totally not helpful. These excuses are not helpful in us getting to where we actually want to be or where God wants us to be. The blame thing, and just this side note, this, this oh, new word for this, this, this a, victim, a victim mentality will screw up our life. It just will screw up our life because if I'm a victim, I, I, I'll never get victory because I don't have traction because I, I can't do anything because it's the, it's the man. It's the, the, the system. Is, and it's the, you know, when I, oh, I, gosh, I'm on a lot of tangents all of a sudden. What's the thing we're talking about now culturally? Systematic, systematic racism. Is there racism Yes, there is. Okay, can we be done like that? But if we start, if we start blaming the system, and I don't, I'm not saying we shouldn't keep working and try not to be ra- racist. Racism is bad, all that stuff. But don't let that system, like, well, that's it. Because you do not have to be stopped where you are because of something going on out there that you cannot control. I mean, whether that's, and I maybe shouldn't have brought up the racism thing because everybody's like, oh, I can't believe he's talking about that. Okay, whatever. So you know, let's talk about other things in our life where there's all kinds of things that are going to push your buttons. They're going to mess you up. You know, your, your spouses every once in a while, once in a while, they're going to have a bad hair day. And you can't help it. I can't believe you had a bad hair day. Ah, I just divorced you about a bad hair. Suck it up. It's a bad hair day. You be... I wish I knew where I was going with this. But you, does this make sense? This is, by the way, could be a huge transition in some of our lives. Because I would also, I'm off my notes. I would also say to you, we end up looking at some of the hard stuff in life. And I would say to you, most of our lives are so incredibly filled with great opportunity and goodness. And, and pizza, even if it's in the trash, it's pizza, baby! And we're all focused on this junk stuff that we cannot control, and that's not God's will for our life. That's, that's not it. This blame thing doesn't work. I could have said, well, it's, it wasn't my fault about the pizza. If my wife had just you know, put it down the garbage disposal, I'm sure I would not have picked it out and put it back together. It's her fault. Second Peter 1.3, this is arguably the best verse I've ever come across at empowering us. Uh, it, it cuts the legs out from under excuses. Look at this. Talking about God. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Boy, that undercuts all my excuses. When I think, oh gosh, just I'm angry, I'm angry. So I guess I, I just... I am allowed to be angry, and then I think, wait a minute, his power has given me everything I need for a godly life. So even though there might be people, and it is hard, people who trigger me, wait, wait, God's power overcomes all those less than good things. Lust. His divine power has given me everything I need for a godly life. Conversation, swearing, 
backbiting gossip. No, 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 no. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Financial control. I just keep spending money I don't have. Wait, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Again, I'm not saying this is easy. So let's bring this responsibility idea uh, into the room even more. Here we go. Regarding other people, how can we be helpful to them? When was the last time I encouraged ownership? That's fill in the blank. Be a friend who loves a person enough to be honest and say, this is on you. To call them up to personal responsibility. I'll add a verse here. Proverbs 27.6. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Be a friend, even if it hurts. By the way, when someone calls me out and says, hey, Mark, and I'm not saying be a jerk. I'm saying love somebody enough to say, this is on you. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Even if it wounds, if it hurts, like, ouch, that hurts. It can be trusted. But it says an enemy multiplies kisses. There's a lot of that going on culturally. Someone comes to us, and we're, we're in a mess. We've messed up our life. And, but too many people just go, oh, let me kiss it. I'll just kiss it. You're awesome. Well, it couldn't be your fault. I don't know. That's not really a good. People come, they're blood, figuratively speaking, they're bloody. Like they've skinned their knee, they've done this thing. And I don't, and by the way, grace is good. Compassion is good. But at some point, someone says, what the heck are you doing that you're coming in here bloody all the time? You should quit doing whatever that is. Because there's blood everywhere. So be the person. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Be that kind of friend. Last fill in the blank for this point is, am I making excuses for my sin? Don't make excuses. Get traction. That's what God wants, and he will empower us. Let's get to point two. Someone say amen. Get to point two. So that point one was all over the place. Here it is. God's advice in a sinful situation pointed toward it could get worse. This is my interpretation of the imagery in verse 7 where God says, if you don't do what is right, sin, look the imagery here he's sharing with Cain, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. That it desires to have you in the original language, part of that word means, it can come up on the screen, it desires to have you. It's like a beast ready to devour you. Pay attention because if you're not careful, this thing that's getting attraction in your life, it's like a beast ready to devour you. <laughs> Anybody remember? It's an old documentary type uh, show. It was called Scared Straight. Now, some of you haven't seen it. It's totally fine. I think I can paint a picture of what it was. It was a documentary about a group of juvenile delinquents that were having trouble getting on the straight and narrow at all. And so they would take this group of, I don't know, six, eight, ten people, ten, you know, 15-year-old guys who were, when I remember the story, 15-year-old guys, and they would take them into a state penitentiary and expose them to what life was like in prison. Anybody remember this, oh, some of, yeah, so this image was the scared straight something, beyond scared straight, and basically what would happen in this prison-like experience, uh, they, the guards 
would talk with these young people and they'd say stuff like, look, if you don't change, young man, let me go show you where you're going to live. And they'd take him into a cell and they would lock him in and say, this is... And, and then there would, they would bring these younger guys to compassionate inmates that would, that would describe their life and say to these young boys, look, man, I do not want this life for you. Will you please turn, change the direction of your life? The crazier moments was when they would also expose these young guys to these crazy kind of violent inmates, lifers, who didn't have hope in anything. And these guys would get in these younger guys' face and say, here's what I want you to do, young man. I hope you keep doing exactly what you're doing because I can't wait until you come to prison because you're going to be my boy. Did anybody, that's what they would, they would, and they would say, we, we love boys like you. We just, and so all this experience, of course, the experience was, in, was that a lot of be like, I, I don't want to end up in this place. I think in the text, part of this is God's version of scared straight, because he's saying to Cain, what are you doing? This direction is bad. You do not want to go here. It's going to get ugly. You think this is bad just to be a little sad because you had a bad offering? By the way, could God have fixed up? This is just a one sin mistake. Cain could have gotten through this, but if you read the rest of the story, it just got worse. Fill in the blank. God loves Cain enough to challenge his direction. And just to be clear, God loves Cain. He's not doing this because he enjoys dramatically scaring people. He loves him. One, one way to picture it, you've got God, who's the father of all, and then you've got Adam and Eve, and then their kids. It's like Cain's his grandson. It's his heart for Cain, absolutely. So he's trying to open his eyes to the reality of you should repent early of sin because if you don't, it can get messier and messier and messier. And we know that. How many of you have ever lied and then the lie turns into a, well, it would have, wouldn't have been too bad, but it gets into a big old mess. Or, you know, all those different things. And addiction, and when you first started, it wasn't an addiction, it was just this thing. And then, but over time, it, it, it got to be a mess. I'm going to now do something I haven't done in a long time. See if I can, I used to play guitar years ago and stuff. But I remember, don't get too excited. Um, I remember when <laughs> I, uh, I, w I first began to explore and a guy sang a song regarding uh, how sin can take over your life and because this song impacted my life like 20 years ago it just stuck with me it's a real simple chorus so it goes like this the words will be up on the screen it says sin will take you farther than you want to go Slowly but wholly taking control. I just added that. Sin will leave you longer than you want to stay. Sin will cost you far more than you want to 
Kind of fun. Did you hear the country part of it? <laughs> yeah. All right. But I. But look at the words on the screen. Oh, it was kind of fun to sing a song, but that there's a lot of truth in that. And so God loves us enough, loved Cain enough to warn him in hopes that he would turn. Because God does not want you to get to the worst scenario of your life. He intervenes because he has another scenario that's the better version of our life. Last fill in the blank. Am I flirting with a future that I don't want to experience? Am I flirting with a future that I do not want to experience? And of course, then the challenge there is let's take, let's cry out to God. Let's take personal responsibility. Let's claim that verse that says, uh, right, he has given us everything we need for a godly life. Because he, and he'll come alongside us in a way to help us be strong, all those things. Why don't you stand? We'll move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.